Before we begin, I want to give thanks and praises to the Almighty, Yahuwah, and His Son who came and died for us, Yahushua the Hamashiach. Shalom, and welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. And as you know, this is the podcast where we will study the Bible and the ties to the Bible and the biblical covenant and all of its meanings that's in it. So, do you have your Bibles ready, your pen, your pad, your computer, your tablet, whatever you need to take notes? So, let's begin our study as we continue learning more about Yah's covenant and how it applies to us. Pastor, so what are we going to be talking about today? We're going to look at the Adamic covenant. We want to look at one of the first covenants uh, that he gave to mankind, and that's what we want to uh, focus this evening. And so, with that in mind, we want to go to the book of Genesis, and the book of Genesis, and here we want to read in the second chapter, and consider verses 16 and 17, that's Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, and it says, And Jehovah Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Uh, this is one of the first covenants that he made with mankind. And when we read these words which were spoken to Adam, by his creator, they weren't just given to him for some good counsel. They were also given to him as a covenant. It was an agreement between him and the man in whom he created in his image and likeness. Now let us examine the words of this covenant to see if what is involved in it. Uh, we have studied the word covenant and we have looked at each letter from the Hebrew and we found out what the letters meant when they were put together. And there we know that bereath, which is a covenant, is also a covenant that we're going to see with Adam, and in the future we'll see how the covenant stipulations were with other individuals in whom Elohim made a covenant with. Now we notice that Yehoah Elohim gave Adam a command to eat of every tree in Eden's garden. Moreover, in that same command, there was a prohibition for him not to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As we probe more and more into Elohim's covenant with man, we'll also discover that when he gives a command, the command comes forth from his covenant. All of his covenants have command or commandments, laws, statutes, judgments, and testimonies. And what we must understand about a covenant is that it is an arrangement. And within this arrangement are commandments, laws, judgments, statutes, and testimonies. When we deal with these things which compose a covenant, some of them overlap with one another. Let us look into the things which are in a covenant and define them. Now, covenant is an agreement, and within the agreement, there are other components. So let us define some of the other components that we find within a covenant. Now, one of the things that we'll find in a covenant is the commandment. This word comes from the Hebraic word mitzvah. The word commandment comes from mitzvah. That's M-I-T-S-V-A-H, mitzvah. That's the commandment. 
That's why when you have a bar mispa or a bait mispa, uh, bar mispa means son of the law or son of the commandment. Bait mispa means daughter of the commandment. So when we look at commandment, it comes from this word misbah. And misbah is the word which means a precept. And when we deal with the word precept, it also can be a command or a thing that is set up. So when we talk about a commandment, we're talking about Elohim setting up something or giving us a precept uh, uh, understanding of something. So when we look at the covenant, the covenant has commandments within them. Another thing that we have in the covenant is law. Now this word law comes from the Hebraic word Torah. And Torah means direction or teaching. So it, there was a close correlation between commandment and law. So when we so when we look at commandments, we are looking at a precept or something that has been set up. But when we look at law, we look at the Hebraic word Torah. And it means a direction or a teaching. Okay. So thus far, we see in the covenant, which is an agreement, we see commandments and we see laws. Another thing that we will discover in the covenant is judgment. And this word comes from the word mishpat, mishpat, M-I-S-H-P-A-T, mishpat. And mishpat means in Hebrew, judgment or discernment. So when we judge something, we have some discernment. And that's all found in the covenant. So, so when we look at a covenant, we must see that it has a number of components. Now outside of the commandments and the laws and the judgment, well, this word, let me go over judgment now. This word judgment is M-I-S-H-P-A-T, mishpat. And mishpat, as I pointed out, it means judgment, but it also means discernment. So we got commandments, laws, and judgment. And another thing we'll find in the covenant uh, that is quite uh, prevalent that we see as we deal with the covenant, and that is statues. <clears throat> Now, this Hebraic word comes from the word choke, choke, that's C-H-O-Q. Okay, that's the Hebrew word, C-H-O-Q, choke. And it carries the meanings of a decreed limit. In other words, it gives uh, boundaries. And it also could be a decreed portion. In other words, it let us know what our limitations are when we deal with the statues. You see, statues help us to understand a lot of the laws and the commandments, see. And so he gives statues along with his word. And then there's another word in the statue that we want to look at, which is testimony. Now, this word testimony in Hebrew is Edah, E-D-A-H, E-D-A-H, Edah. And it means either testimony or witness. Testimony or witness. So when we look at the commandments, the laws, the judgments, the statutes, the testimonies, we find all of these things is located within the covenant, in the boundaries of the covenant. So what we just defined are the components of the covenant. Now let us see if we can align these things with the covenant Yah made with Adam. Okay. So we want to take commandments, laws, 
judgments, statutes, and testimonies, and see how this coincides with the covenant that he made with Adam. Okay, let's read the covenant again. Okay, here's the covenant that he made. It says, and Yehoah Elohim, or the Lord God, commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Okay, now as we go into the Adamic covenant, uh, we want to look at this covenant in 16 and 17 of Genesis 2. Now in this part of our study, we want to first spell out what was the covenant Yahor made with Adam, and then we want to define the components of it. So first of all, we just want to look at the covenant that he made with Adam, and then the components of what we looked at, which was the commandments, the laws, the judgments, the statutes, and the testimony. Before we get to that, we just want to look at what, what, what covenant did he make with Adam, okay? So our first sub-point would be the Adamic covenant. What is the Adamic covenant? The covenant made with Adam was an agreement to obey and live or disobey and die. You see, when he told Adam that this tree, all of the trees you may eat, and if you do that, you'll live. And then he said, the tree that you're not up to eat of, he says, if you eat of it, you will die. So the covenant that he made with Adam was an agreement to obey and live or disobey and die. So the basic agreement that Adam had <clears throat> with his creator was to be in compliance with what he was, what he told him. And if he could stay in compliance with that, then he would be, uh, following out the stipulation of the covenant. Okay, so the covenant is you obey, you live. You disobey, you die. Now let us look at the covenant components to see how <clears throat> they align themselves to the Adamic covenant. Okay, so we look at our next point, which would be the Adamic covenant components. The Adamic covenant components. In this part of our covenant studies, we want to try and identify the components we spoke of earlier with the covenant Yah gave to Adam. So the first thing we want to look at is the Adamic commandment, the Adamic commandment. Now, in this part of our discourse, we want to draw out and see wherein lies the commandment. Where is the commandment in, in this covenant? that we are talking about. Now we are told in Genesis 2:16 that Yah Elohim laid command on the man or he commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. It is here that we observe Jehovah's command to Adam. So what he commanded Adam to do was the commandment, which was in the agreement, which was in the covenant. So the covenant commandment was succinctly this. Here's where the command came in. Yah command, Yah, Yah's commandment was to eat of all the trees in the garden and not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. So that was the command. So when we look at verse uh, number 16, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man. So when he commanded, that made it a commandment. Okay. Now, 
when Elohim speaks his word, then that word that he speaks here is his commandment. So we see he spoke and he said, the, uh, and, and he commanded the man. So when he gave him the command, then Adam knew what the command was. Okay. So what was the command? He commanded him, just like when you look at the Ten Commandments, when it says, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. So what he's saying to Adam, you can eat of all of the trees, but thou shalt not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So those were the commandments in the covenant. That's what Adam was given to know specifically how to carry out the covenant. He gave him that. Okay, now the next thing that we want to look at is not only do we see a command, but where do we see the law? So the next uh, component is not only the Adamic uh, commandment, but we want to look at the Adamic law. Where is the law found in this? Okay, now when we observe the law in the covenant given, it can be found within the commandments itself. In other words, the law can be found in the commandments. Let us consider what the wise man Solomon said about the law and the commandments. Okay, we want to see how the law and the commandments are tied together. And we want to turn to the book of Proverbs. Look and see what the wise man said about this. And in the book of Proverbs, what we want to look at is the sixth chapter, Proverbs chapter 6. And in the sixth chapter, we want to look at verse 23. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. Now here's what it says. It says here, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Okay, that's we just want to get that first part there. He said, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. So with that being said, then he is making some symbolical comparisons with the law. He says that the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. Now, Moreover, let us also notice what Solomon's father, the psalmist David, says in the same trend of thought. Let us notice that as well. And we want to turn to Psalms 119th Division and verse 105. Okay. All right. Psalms, the 119th Division. In verse 105. Now notice what it says here in 105th verse of Psalms 119. Now the now now David says, The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay. So now let us make a comparison uh, between these two verses. We want to parallel what David said with what Solomon said. Now David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Solomon says, for the commandment is a lamp and the law is a light. So here we see that David refers to the word as a lamp and Solomon refers to the commandment as a lamp. Therefore, if the word is a lamp and the commandment is a lamp, we can safely say that the word of Yehoah and the commandment of Yehoah are one and the same. So when we talk about his word, we talk about his commandment, and when we talk about his commandment, we talk about his word. They're one and the same. And as we look at the comparison here, uh, there, David is simply saying that the word is a lamp and Solomon his son is saying the commandment is a lamp 
So if they both lamps, then that means the word and the commandment are, are one and the same. Okay. Therefore, as we look at that comparison with the lamp, then the word. So now that we have the lamp as being the commandment, let us see what is the lamp. I mean, what is the light? David says that the lamp of the word was unto his feet and a light unto his past. So from this, the light in the lamp of the word is what directs him in the path he is going. So Solomon, his son says, the law is a light. So here we have inside the lamp is the light. And this light is the law. The word here for law in Hebrew is the Torah, which means both direction and teaching. Consequently, out of the command, out of the commandment, Yah gave to Adam came forth the light, which was the Torah or the law. When Elohim speaks, there is light, and that light is his law to give us direction and teaching. We can draw the conclusion that his command was what to do and what not to do. That was his command. What to do and what not to do. This is what made it a commandment. His law came forth out of his commandment, which was to eat of every tree of the garden and not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So here we see that the light of the law coming forth from the lamp of the commandment. So when we can understand that when Elohim speaks and gives us a command, that out of that command is also going to come the light. And this is why David and Solomon could recognize the word as a lamp or the commandment as a lamp. And inside that lamp, you have a burning flame, and that represents the law. So when he spoke to Adam, he gave him his word or his commandment. He commanded him. And out of that command, the law came. And the law was that you should not eat of a certain fruit, but yet I command you to eat of other fruits. Okay. All right, let us go a little bit further. All right, we looked at the... Uh, we looked at Adam's commandment, Adam's law, and now we want to look at the Adamic uh, judgment. We want to look at the judgment. Okay. Now here, we want to point out the judgment in the Adamic covenant. We want to point out the judgment. Now, when we consider that Elohim told Adam what would happen if he partook of the forbidden tree, what would happen to him? He said to him, for in the day, let us turn back to Genesis, uh, to that first covenant. Let us turn back to Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17. Okay. He says here, and Yehoah Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of the, every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Okay. So uh, the part that deals with the judgment, we read, and it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So when we consider that Elohim told Adam what would happen if he partook of the forbidden tree, what would happen to him? He said to him, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. That's a judgment. So we can see the judgment very, very plainly. In other words, when Elohim was giving his covenant to Adam, 
He let him know the consequences of doing right and the consequences of doing wrong. He didn't wait until after Adam did what he did to tell him, because that, that would have been right. Why would you tell him after he, he had eaten that he shouldn't, shouldn't eat of certain things? No, he told in the covenant, he told him everything up front. Now, herein lies the judgment whereby Yah was letting him know that as long as he ate what was told him by his creator, he would live. However, if he made a breach in the covenant by eating what he shouldn't, he would forfeit his life by dying. This was the judgment in the covenant. Adam knew that. He knew what life was in the covenant. And he knew what death was. One was for life, which was obedient. The other was for death, for disobedience. So that was the judgment. Now let us look at the Adamic statues. Let us look at the Adamic statues. At this juxtaposition, we want to observe the statues in the covenant Yah gave to Adam. And as we define the, the statues in this a covenant, they are rather intricately and they are rather intricately located within the judgments. So now we read the judgments, but we're going to see that there's a close tie between the judgments and also the statues. Now we can easily discover the statues by what a statue means. As we looked at the Hebrew word for statue, which is choke, C-H-O-Q, as we look at that, that word, and it means a decreed limit or a portion. Now, what this, with this in mind, let us examine Jehovah's words to, to Adam to determine the statues he laid out for Adam. As we pointed out, the word for statue is choke. And it basically carries two meanings, that of a decreed limit or a decreed portion. Therefore, when Yah said to Adam, he could eat of every tree of the garden, he was giving to Adam the boundary whereby he could partake of his food. He gave him, he gave him the entire scope. The scope whereby he was given was an extensive one. However, he also pointed out to Adam his limited portion. There was a portion of the garden that he couldn't touch. So this portion by telling him that he should not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this was a decreed portion. He let Adam know that this portion, don't touch this, Adam. This is the statutes that I'm trying to teach you, that you have to have boundaries. And when you got these boundaries, you must see a red light. You must not go any further. But Adam, you have the entire garden of trees you can eat from. That's your decreed boundaries. Nobody can stop you on those boundaries. But when it comes to this tree in the midst of the paradise that you're in, do not touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil because that your boundaries are limited at that point. So this was the decreed portion of which boundary he was not to trespass. The statues of which Elohim has given to us is in his covenant are to define and make more clearly his laws. You see, we must hold them firm to his, we must hold firm to his laws, his statutes, commandments, and his judgments. So he has given us the statutes, and his reason for giving us the statutes is to define the laws more clearly. Whenever he gives a law, the statutes comes along and makes it a lot more clearer. So he told Adam what not to do, but he explains to him 
more clearly the boundaries by the statues. And so the statues was you have access to the entire garden, but your limitations is at the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Those are the statues that he was letting Adam know. Okay, and then when we deal with the Adamic testimony, where was the testimony? Okay, now when we con when we concern ourselves with a testimony, it has to do with a witness of some sort. See, the word testimony means a witness. In the case of Adam, his testimony would be either a witness of his creator or a witness of the serpent. One's witness is the life one lives. If Adam followed in obedience to his creator's covenant, he would witness to a life of purity and holiness. If to the contrary, he would violate the covenant promises, he would witness to a life of impurity and unholiness. As long as we walk and talk in obedience to our creator's covenant, we witness a right for him. However, when we break his covenant, we witness to the serpent's life of sinfulness. If Adam had continued in the life of innocence, he would have grown more and more in the image of Elohim in, and in the likeness of his creator. But having transgressed the laws and statutes of the covenant, he now awaits his final judgment of which the second Adam could only give by the exchange of his life for that of the repentant. So here we have basically looked at the covenant that he gave to the first man, Adam. So we'll, we'll stop there, and then as we proceed with this, we'll uh, continue on this same uh, note in our next discourse, and we'll be seeing some other things that is pertinent to the covenant, and then we'll move out and we'll show some of the other covenants that he had given to mankind. So if there are any observations, questions, or concerns that you have at this time, we'll open it up for you. So as a refresher, we said that uh, mitzvah. Yeah, mitzvah, which means the law. Mm -hmm. That's the law. Okay, wait, now, is mitzvah the commandment or the law? Well, actually, it's the commandment, you're right. It's the, okay. actually the commandment because Torah is the law. Okay, so mitzvah mm. is the commandment. Right. Torah is the law. Mm. Then we have, uh, what's, uh, mishpat? Mishpat, yeah, M-I-S-H-P-A-T, mishpat, which means judgment. Okay, and that's judgment. Right. And then we have, uh, what is that, chalk? Choke? Yeah, choke. C-H-O-Q. And that is uh, a decreed or limit. Uh-huh. portion. He, you know, yeah, right. That, those are the boundaries. Yeah, right. Okay, the boundaries. Mm -hmm. And then we have the testimony. Da mm -hmm. or witness. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if... Yahuwah gave the covenant to man when he said, uh, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Mm -hmm. Some people may have the argument, well, he spoke to Adam. Why is Eve covered by that also? Well, because of the fact that if you read the narrative is that when the serpent came to her and she spoke to the serpent. Uh, she was able to reflect of the trees that they shouldn't, shouldn't eat of. Now, if you notice in chapter three, uh, what, what, what we notice here is this, it says, and it says in verse number two, the third chapter, verse two, it said, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Now, for the, for the mere fact that she said that, she had to have a knowledge. Mm. And so 
it either had to come from uh, her creator or when Adam said and he talked to her, he told her about it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because where did, where did she get it? The first, the first thing, the first time we hear about the trees of the garden is when uh, Adam spoke to Adam. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Yahuwah spoke to Adam. So when the creator spoke to Adam and gave him that, no doubt Adam took the same information and he gave it to Eve because she was very conversant. She was very uh, knowledgeable of the covenant uh, when he, she spoke to the serpent. So for her to tell the serpent that, then she must have had a knowledge of the covenant. And I also found it interesting, too, uh, how you brought out in Proverbs 6, uh, 23, uh, mm-hmm. and about the commandment as being the lamp and the Torah, the light. Mm-hmm. And then um, Solomon's father, uh, he's basically reiterating what his uh, father had said. Basically, yeah, right. And so, you know, it must have been a handing down of knowledge from father to son mm-hmm. for them to have the same notion uh, right. in regarding, you know, the Torah and the commandments. Mm-hmm. Like uh, David did his in a, in a por- poetical form and Solomon did his in a literary form. Yeah. 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 But they basically said the same thing. Uh, when David looked at it, he called it the lamb. And, and, uh, I mean, he called the word, you know, a lamp and Solomon, he called it the commandment. So the word and commandment is one and the same. And see what, a, what we must understand is that, uh, very often when Elohim speaks, he speaks his command. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is something I didn't, I didn't uh, bring out in the lecture, but, but since we on it, we can bring it out here. Mm-hmm. When he speaks, it's a command. Mm. All right. So now keep that in mind when he speaks as the command. Okay. And this is why when he spoke light into existence, what did he say? He said, let there be light. That was a command. Mm. And the light came into to, to existence. So my point then is in that command is light. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so when he says to the waters, on the earth to separate the waters from above from the waters from beneath. That's a command. Okay. And so this is how we got the sky and, and the water. And then when he spoke to the earth, he commanded her, he said, separate the waters from the dry land. And he did that. Okay. Now what I want you to see in here now, here's what I want you to see. Every time he spoke, it was a command, and they and the earth uh, obeyed his command. And even when he said to the earth to bring forth uh, plants and reproduce those can, that was a command. Okay, now here's here's the point that I'm trying to get to is this: is that when he gave a command, then the law was in those commands. Okay, mm-hmm. so that means he was saying that the law was light. Okay, which in which was in the lamp. So we got the lamp being the commandment, and we got the light being the law. So when he spoke light, as we studied when we was talking about the, uh, I believe it was uh, prosperity, if I'm not mistaken, and we were showing the system. Now in those systems. They come from the laws because everything that Elohim made is governed by law. Mm-hmm. And so when he speaks, his law is within what he speaks. So when he spoke uh, the light, then the light had a system because the light was going to have to intermingle with everything that was living in order to continue to continue the life of the plants and the animals and also mankind. Mm-hmm. So when you look at, what he commands, if you look deep enough into it, you also see his laws that are coming out of his commands. So when he said that the heavens uh, have the water from above and the waters beneath, that was a command, but there were some laws to govern the celestial heavens, and there were some laws to uh, govern the water on the earth. It was, it, it was an aqua system that 
when you study the laws, then you'll discover that it comes from his command. This is why the Psalmist David says that uh, in his law, do I meditate day and night? In other words, Elohim's word is so, so, so profound and so deep that David is saying, when you get into studying his commands, you're going to discover also his laws, which is life. Mm-hmm. And when you discover those laws, which he has in his command, it indeed is light. It'll make your mind light up. You say, wow, I never saw that. Mm-hmm. So, so every command that he gave mm-hmm. was like a lamp and every command that he gave had a law, which was like the light. So when he spoke to Adam, that was the way it was. And when he spoke to all of the other things into creation, he commanded it. And within that command was also his laws. Mm. So I have another question on a personal note. As you talk about light, now, being a pastor for so many years, what was the turning point for you when it came to uh, accepting the feast days and the covenant? Because when we look at a lot of religions uh, outside of Judaism, uh, and I don't even know how much Judaism really, you know, they keep the feast, but I don't really know how much of the covenant they keep. But what was the turning point for you to accept the feast and to accept the returning to keeping this covenant? Well, my wife and I, when we, uh, we, we, we were, uh, I think it was in Hasklet, Michigan, they were having a conference. Mm-hmm. Now, around this time of the year, it was around about the time, I think it was Easter. And generally during Easter, we used to take the kids uh, down south, we had a friend in Huntsville, Alabama, and when we would take them down there, it was around that time of Easter. But this year, mm-hmm. we decided we wouldn't go down, and and I think we randomly ran into this uh, uh, place, and they were teaching about the feast. And at that time, I had not accepted it, mm-hmm. but I listened to the teachings of it, and then when I understand stood the teachings of it then i began to study more and more into it now i must also admit that when i was a pastor down in indianapolis there was a gentleman that uh i knew a matter of fact his wife was a very close friend of my wife's and uh he was telling me about uh the feast days and i told him i said uh i can't dispute that it's right or wrong but i said let me study it. And as I continued to study it and I was getting literature from different places. And as I got that literature and I've continued to read, I was trying to disprove it because, uh, I had already, I had all, uh, been taught that the feast days were done away with. That was part of the ceremonial law. And as I continued to study and I studied and I studied and I said, no, this stuff has not been done away with. I said, it's still binding for Elohim's people. So I continued to accept it and I accept it. And then I started teaching it. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing about it is one of the salient points about the feast days, especially among uh, people who have been taught that it's been done away with mm-hmm. is that I discovered that the word statues that we were just talking about today, statues, this is where Thomas Aquinas. Now Thomas Aquinas was um, in the Catholic church and he wrote about the ceremonial law being the statues. In other words, he was saying that the statues were the ceremonial law, mm-hmm. which was a different word altogether. And I think in Christendom, that was one of the main things that they used was the ceremonial law. But when I looked up ceremonial law in the Bible, I could not find it. It's nowhere in this whole, all of the scriptures about any ceremonial law. Wow. Now they do have a law that they call the, uh, sacrificial. Mm-hmm. Now we know the sacrificial law was done away with because Yeshua fulfilled that. And he was a fulfillment of that. But when you look at the ceremonial law, he was saying since the ceremonial law 
was not a moral law like the Ten Commandments. We don't have to keep it. But that was a very shrewd point in the way he dealt with it. And we know that according to the Bible, the Bible says in Daniel uh, that they would seek to change times and laws. So when I looked up the, the changes of the times and the laws, I was used to understand that when you change the times and the laws, that the only law that they changed that deal with times was the Sabbath. But when I traced the document down in the history of it, they found out that the same person uh, said that when they changed the weekly Sabbath, they also changed the annual feast days. And when I saw that, I said, wait a minute. He didn't just, the, the, the Roman church didn't just change the weekly Sabbath. They changed all of the other annual Sabbath, like Passover, and they stuck Easter in its place. Wow. And then they took Christmas and, and Easter and all of this to replace the original days. And what really shocked me was this. What really shocked me was this. The Roman church did not back up and say that they made a mistake or that they apologized, but they came out boldly and says that we gave you not only the Sabbath, which is Sunday, uh-huh. But they boldly proclaim that many of you who are following Easter and Christmas, all this, they said, we gave you that. <laughs> they said, we gave you. It didn't come from the Bible. So they, they boldly say uh-huh. that if you are truly worshiping the Sabbath, you should be like the Adventists who keep the Sabbath. But the only thing about Adventists, we don't keep the Adventists don't really keep the festival days. And they said, if you keep in the festival days uh, that we gave you, then you're not following what Elohim gave you. And they said in so many words that if you're following our Sunday, and if you also follow our feast days, you, you might as well be one of us. So my thing is this, when I began to study it and I continue to study it, I was trying to see, if I could deny it, but the more I studied into it, the more I saw it, it was still binding. And that as Thomas Aquinas had taken the word statues and changed it into ceremonial law, there are many who believe that that was nailed to the cross and done away with. And then by the same token, when you ask people, mm-hmm. how do you distinguish between the ceremonial law and the statues? Mm-hmm. Or how do you distinguish between what should be a ceremonial and what should not because Thomas Aquinas was saying this is a moral law and since the sa- the sacrificial and the and 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 the uh, and the other things like the statues they are not moral so you don't have to keep it but he had two problems with that number one is that there was a lot of moral implications in the statues and number two is that if you said it's, uh, the statues were done away with because they were ceremonial, then how is it that churches are still abiding by the health laws? They are abiding by the tithe laws. Mm-hmm. And then when you deal with laws, just like the Bible says, thou should not commit adultery. And you ask the person, well, what is adultery? And they say, well, adultery is when you have uh, 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 an affair outside of uh, your, 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 your wedlock or outside of your marriage. I said, but the, the commandments never said that. <laughs> the, the commandment never told you all of what you're saying. I said, the only thing the commandment says, but thou should not commit adultery. That's all it says. True. I said, but when you read the statutes, the statute says that when you commit adultery, if a man lie with another man or if a woman lie with another woman or if a person lie with a beast and beastality, mm-hmm. he says in the statute, that is wrong. I said, the, the, the commandments don't even tell you that. So the only way you're going to know about the commandments is to get the statutes. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you deal away with all of the statutes, you have to deal with, you have to do away with tithing. You have to do away with a lot of the offerings you're getting in your churches. And you have to deal with, uh, you can eat anything uh, uh, that you want. If, 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 you know, if you do away with the, with, with the uh, statues, because the statues tell you what to eat, and we'll be dealing with 
some of what you eat too, because you're going to find out that a part of the covenant, one of the greatest things a part of the covenant is eating, and we'll be dealing with that. And then you'll also have to deal with uh, the morality of uh, uh, how you treat your parents and stuff, because you don't know how to, how to do that unless the statutes tell you. True. So when you say the ceremonial law has been done away with, talking about the statutes, then a lot of stuff we shouldn't be doing. As a matter of fact, if, if the statutes have been done, 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 done away with, then how can Yeshua die for sin? And as soon as he had died for sin, and you said everything was done away with, then Elohim himself is saying he endorses sin because True. that's what he died for. So if he died for sin, and then after he died, you're going to continue to break his law. You're going to continue to eat pork and everything that he said you shouldn't eat. And you're going to continue to commit adultery because you said it's been, uh, uh, the statue has been done away with because the Ten Commandments doesn't really spell all of this stuff out. Yeah. So you would ask the question, if he died for sin and we're still sinning, then what was the need for him to die? He could have just said, hey, I'm not going to die. All I got to do is say the law has been done away with, and then uh, everybody can continue to do what, what, what they're doing. But you know that doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's very enlightening, you know, that th the Roman Catholics, they actually acknowledge changing everything pretty mm -hmm. much in mm -hmm. all. And just like you said, too, I mean, you know, if you don't have no statutes and no commandments, what's the, you really don't have no law. I mean, to say you're dealing, done away with all of that, you, I mean, it's basically anarchy. You should be able to do whatever you want with no consequences. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, another one of the, one of the most uh, gravest, uh, one of the most uh, detrimental uh, challenges when you said the law has been done away with in the covenant, one of the most detrimental challenges that you have is that when you go from the Bible, especially from Genesis all the way to Matthew, uh -huh. what do you find? When Adam broke the covenant, what happened? He found himself in the bondage of sin. True. And what happened? He had to be put out of the Garden of Eden, right? Yeah. Okay, and as time went on, and Elohim was constantly giving his people a covenant, they were constantly breaking it, and he already told them in the book of Deuteronomy, which is a part of the Torah, the fifth book of the Torah, it says that if you break the covenant, that I'm going to scatter you upon the earth. Just like Adam was scattered in the garden, you find that his people began to scatter. And Jeremiah is constantly telling the people that if you don't come back to the covenant, Elohim is going to allow the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar to come in and take over your kingdom. And I'm going to scatter you from here in the four corners of the earth. And that's how come Elohim's people has been scattered all over the world. And this is why the black Hebrews and people are trying to find out where their roots and where they have come from. The reason why we are scattered all over the world and receiving the male treatment that we are receiving, police brutality, people in the, in the legal system are not respecting us, is because Elohim told us that we'll be in the land of strangers and they would treat us this way. Why? Because they broke the covenant. Yeah. And when they broke the covenant, Elohim told them what, what would happen. Just like he told uh, Adam what was happening. He has told us right in his word what was happening. So when we say the law is done away with, we are actually killing our own people. True. We are putting a death sentence on them. We might as well just tell them to go down to the funeral home and write out your obituary because if you continue to break the covenant, you're going to continue to reap what it means to break the covenant. So Elohim is saying the covenant is still intact. And when we can understand what the covenant is and come back to that covenant, then we are doing what Elohim wants us to do. And when we do what Elohim wants us to do, he makes himself responsible for fighting for us. He cannot fight for us if we're breaking the covenant. Because if he would fight for us for, for breaking the covenant, what would that say? It would be like he was endorsing sin. You just go ahead and sin, and you're not going to get on curse. You're not going to get any, any, any. No, he told you what the penalty was going to be if you break the covenant. So when we teach that we shouldn't keep the covenant, 
Many of the preachers in the pulpit are responsible for the death of many of our young boys and girls who are coming through this life because they teach them there is no covenant. So if there's no covenant, you do what you want to do. Don't, don't respect the police. Don't respect anybody. You do what you want to do yeah. because you said there is no covenant. There is no law. There is no commandment. Yes. But, you know, it's interesting, too, how you said we as uh, black people have endured a lot of torment. And, uh, and especially, you know, not to say black women haven't, but, you know, especially the black male. And it's the same thing we see when we read in scripture what happened to the black men in Egypt and the black mm-hmm. e- black young males. You know what they do? They killed. They killed them. They uh, threw. When Pharaoh told every I think what man child mm-hmm. was to be thrown into the river and whatnot. It's just it, 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 it's funny how things have. Uh, modernized and changed these days, but it's the same scenario that our ancestors went through in Egypt. Oh, definitely same thing. Mm -hmm. Just out of, because out of disobedience, the breaking of the covenant, and we still see that till this day, that our people are still breaking the covenant. It's just like you said, these ministers up here, they claim they're preaching the word, but all they're doing is taking these people into mass graves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that was a good episode for tonight. So, Pastor, can you take us to the throne in prayer? Okay. I love it, Father, as we've looked at the Adamic Covenant and what it embraces. And we pray that as we continue to study the covenant that we may become more familiar with it. Help us, O Heavenly Father, to share the covenant with others that they too may be able to see that your covenant is something, O Heavenly Father, that has never been abrogated, but is always always been there and if it had not been there then your son would not have needed to die upon the tree but you gave the covenant and throughout history you'll have to follow some of the greatest kings of Israel and some of the greatest prophets they broke the covenant and thy people oh heavenly father have broken the covenant and this is why we find at the end of this world and Yeshua is about to come they are still breaking your covenant so we want to be covenant keepers, O Heavenly Father, to know how to be able to keep your covenant and to be able to do the things that you would have us to do. So help us to understand how to keep your commandments, your laws, your judgments, your statutes, your testimonies, that we can be in harmony with your wishes. For you said that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your, heaven, your heavenly covenant, O Heavenly Father, we know is the everlasting covenant. And as we continue to study the covenant of heaven, Father, that we may be in tune with it and that the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, may be able to continue to guide us. May the blood that Yeshua shed in order to ratify the new covenant of heaven, Father, in his blood, rather than the old covenant that was ratified with the blood of animals. And as we accept the new covenant of heaven, Father, through his blood, through his life, it can impart and impute to us the strength to be able to keep your covenant of which Yeshua died for, and as a result, that the power of the Holy Spirit can take that covenant as you did with Adam when he was created in your image and your likeness and be able to put that covenant within us that we can be able to articulate your praise, your glory, and your power through both what we think and what we do. So we ask, O Father, that you would bless all of those who are studying your covenant and who are listening each week that they may be in a tune with it in such a way that the power of the Holy Spirit, O Heavenly Father, may make them in the image and the likeness of you, that when Yeshua comes, he can find that his sacrifice was not in vain, but there are those who accept the covenant and they are looking forward to being able to be translated one day from this earth into the world anew in order to be able to have the covenant that was once rendered unto Adam that if he be obedient and do the things that you would say, he'd have a life that would measure with the life of Elohim throughout eternity is our prayer in Yeshua's name. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Well, again, that is our podcast for this week. And we want to continue to encourage you 
everyone, not just the Hebrews, but all nations return to the covenant that Yahuwah has cut with us. And we'd like you to follow us podcast every week. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. But the mercy of Yahuwah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness until children's children to such as guard his covenant and to those that remember his commandments and to do them. Until next week, listeners, Shalom.